0: Good afternoon, good to see you, good to be together. Um, those of you who are with us online this morning will know that we had um, quite a hard passage, difficult concepts, God's uh, hardening of Pharaoh's heart uh, and just the way things have fallen out. Got another quite, quite difficult passage uh, this afternoon. Um, let me pray before we reflect on these verses together. Father, we thank you that this is your word to us. Warm our hearts with the gospel. Amen. I remember when I was a student, the student worker at my church in London, uh, coming to speak once at our university, CU. I can't remember what he spoke on or anything else he said on that occasion, but I remember one thing he told us. And that was that in 10 years' time, a number of people in the room then would no longer be following Christ. I don't know about the others in the room, but for me, as a fresh-faced 18-year-old from a Christian family, I was shocked by that. I think think it's fair to say that um, more than 10 years later now, I understand what he was saying a little bit better, having seen uh, some of those people walk away from Jesus. You may well have similar stories, stories of people who failed to do what the sobering words of Matthew 8, verses 18 to 22, demand that we do. People who failed to think through what it really means, what it really looks like to follow Jesus, and who weren't willing to live as Christ called them to. And verses 18 to 22, as you'll know if you've been here over the last few weeks, it's not really what we expect after the first 17 verses of Matthew 8. We've seen that Jesus is powerful, that he taught as one who had authority in chapter seven, verse 29, and that he acted as one who had authority with miracle after miracle after miracle in the first 17 verses of this chapter. And uh, we're on this huge high, as Tom was teaching us a couple of weeks ago at verse 17, as we see that Jesus is Isaiah's servant. This was to fulfil what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases the one who would take away our every sickness, our every ill, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, was here, Jesus. And it was simple. You just needed to follow him, like like the leper, like the centurion, like Peter and his family, like all those people in verse 16, bringing their sick to Jesus. It was simple. But then we get verses 18 to 22. And suddenly it's not quite so simple. We get this little narrative interlude in the series of miracle stories over these two chapters. Two men interrupting Jesus as he's about to head across the lake in verse 18. And they're both followers in some sense already. They're both keen to join the mission And they're both sternly challenged by Jesus. This is not what we were expecting. Not a scene of dozens of people putting their trust in Jesus the Messiah, but of Jesus all but turning away two nearly over the line disciples who are keen to follow him. Why does Matthew choose to focus his camera lens here I think because he wants us to see that following Jesus isn't all fun, games and joy. It's not simply a ticket to an easy and exciting life. Following Jesus is hard because Jesus's life was hard. And so we're called in this passage to do two things, I think, they are written on your service sheets. And the first, Give up your comforts if you want to follow Jesus. Be ready to give up your comforts if you want to follow Jesus. And that's from verses 19 and 20. So verse 19. A teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. There are two surprises here. Firstly, a teacher of the law, wanting to follow Jesus. And secondly, the extent of his enthusiasm. I'll follow you wherever you go. Wholehearted, no holds barred, no strings attached, 110% commitment to the cause, to follow Jesus. If I'd been Jesus, I think I'd have been falling over myself to get him signed up. It would be like a new person turning up at church. I'm a trained worship leader. I'm experienced in working with children and people from diverse backgrounds. I've quite a bit of experience in planning applications, building development and management, and I'm keen to serve however you'd like me. I mean, there'd be in about 10 email threads and WhatsApp groups before they blinked, wouldn't they? This man's offer, it was amazing. Too good to be true. How does Jesus respond? Verse 20, Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Instead of enthusiastic encouragement, Jesus responds with a crushing challenge. He asks this teacher of the law, essentially, whether he realises what he's getting himself in for whether he realises that Jesus' life is is less easy, less comfortable, less straightforward than the life of a fox or a bird. They at least have a nest or a den, somewhere to rest and call their home. But not for Jesus. He may have had places to stay as he travelled, but no true place on earth to call his home. And if you're going to follow him, then the same will be true for you. In committing to follow Jesus, wherever he will go, you're not just opting into a boat ride across a lake, as we see in verse 18, or three month mission trip, or a year or three serving on a team or a subcommittee. You're committing to uh, to a lifetime of giving up, having a place to call home. Giving up, having a space of your own to retreat into. Giving up home comforts and simple pleasures. Do you realise that? Jesus says to this man. Do you realise that that's what you're volunteering for? And are you willing? Are you willing to give up your earthly comforts if that's what the Lord calls you to. Are you willing to live a very humble human life like the Son of Man? We don't know how the teacher of the law responded. Matthew chooses not to tell us. He just leaves the question hanging in the air. Perhaps to make the point that the same question hangs in the air for us. What will our response be? Do we realise that following Jesus means being willing to live like Jesus? And are we willing to give up our earthly comforts, not just in theory, but in practice, if that's what the Lord calls us to Are we willing to give up on the house of a certain size, in a certain place, the new kitchen, if that's what God asks of us? Are we willing to move again or much further away or to stay put when it feels like everyone else is moving? Are our homes our private castles or are we willing to open the doors and have people come in and out and not just the people we already know well and love if that's what the Lord asks of us. Or perhaps it's the comfort of being able to um, spend our time as we wish, that we cling on to, using our evenings, our weekends, our holidays, how we want to, not open to the needs of others or the call of God, because we've earned a rest, we deserve it. Or perhaps it's the comfort of um, having a bit of money in the bank knowing that there's a little bit put aside to spend on on the little treats of life, or a certain type or number of holidays or or trips away. Or maybe it's spending not on ourselves, but on our children. We want them to have the same education, the same opportunities that we had, or or as their peers are getting. Now this next example may sound trifling, but, but the idols of our hearts can often be the tiny things. As um, some of you will know, I I love to read and I love owning books. I'm not a big library fan. And one of the things that God has gently been asking me over COVID is, how many books does a person need to own? I buy them far quicker than I read them. Actually, it's a bit of an idol. Maybe I should stop buying new books and read the ones I already own and look for better ways to honour God with my money. Are we willing to give up our earthly comforts to follow Jesus? Matthew takes us straight from this encounter into a second one, and one that may seem a bit more reasonable and thought through, but one that contains no less challenge. Second, give up your commitments if you want to follow Jesus. Be ready to give up your commitments if you want to follow Jesus. And so verse 21, another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Well, here is someone who has surely counted the cost. He's realised he needs to be wholly committed, prepared to leave everything behind if he wants to follow Jesus. And so he asks Jesus if he can first go and wrap up his father's estate, do his duty by his family, and then he can fully commit to following Jesus. My response, if you've been talking to me, of course, take your time, do whatever you need to. You come back when you're ready. But Jesus' response, verse 22, but Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Again, instead of enthusiastic encouragement, Jesus responds with a crushing challenge. And it jars, doesn't it? It makes us feel uncomfortable. Let the dead bury their own dead. It sounds callous and uncaring. I think it's worth saying just briefly that that while this man's father may have been elderly, sick, possibly even dying, he hadn't necessarily just died. Because if he had, surely this disciple would be with his family now, rather than here with Jesus. And so the delay proposed here probably isn't just the 48 hours or so it would take to conduct a burial. It's probably a little bit more open-ended than that. Um, A a commitment to come when, when the time feels right, when loose ends are tied up, when the family situation is as it should be. Whatever the precise relationship between this man's father's death and his desire to delay following Christ, Jesus' response is unambiguous. Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Give up your earthly commitments, says Jesus, as important and good as they may be and seem and follow me now. Don't wait until it seems like just the right moment. Don't wait until you're in the right role at work, until you're married or started a family, until you've got the house you want, until your ageing parents are sorted out. Follow me now, says Jesus. Don't delay, let the dead bury their own dead. Give up your commitments and follow me now, says Jesus. And again, Matthew doesn't tell us this man's response to show us that this command is directed at us too. Are we willing to give up our commitments if that's what Jesus calls us to? Are we ready for a radical shift of priorities not just in theory, but in practice. What commitments might the Lord call us to give up? Friends, family, career progression or stability, having the house you want in the place you want, being a certain distance close to or far away from your family, a certain life for your children, the list goes on. And let me give you an example for myself. Um, a few years ago, when I first started, started chatting to um, Dan, our pastor and the elders, about training for ministry, I was ready to go anywhere. But that wasn't what the Lord planned for us. And um, we've had a wonderful, almost two years so far in this trainee pastor role, and we're very grateful for the next two years. But now I think we will find it harder to leave Oxford, if and when that time comes. My wife Charlotte and I both have family here. We have deep friendships, not just in the church, but from different places we've worked in the city. Our children are growing up here and that bit older. It feels like there are many good gospel reasons for us to be in Oxford. It's good and right to honor parents and family. There are doors open to me because of my secular work in teaching. But Jesus tells me, I must be willing to give it up. I can't cling on to it. I don't get to say what it looks like for me to follow Jesus. That's not how this works. If I say, Lord, just let me stay in Oxford, Jesus' reply, follow me. Let people in Oxford stay in Oxford. And who knows what the future holds for me, for any of us, but I, we all, must be ready to give up our commitments to follow Jesus. So are you willing? Not just in theory, but in practice. But remember, this isn't just some cruel command made by a distant God to test his people, to see whether they really love him. Far from it. As Jesus calls us to live sacrificial lives, he calls us to do what he has already done. It's no coincidence. I don't think that Jesus uses the title son of man for himself for the first time in Matthew's gospel here in chapter eight, verse 20. For son of man is the title Jesus used of himself when he wanted to emphasize his ordinary humanity and when he spoke of his suffering. The message of sacrificial living isn't just a message Jesus preached from a place of privilege. It's a message he practised and painfully lived out. He laid aside the privileges of being the eternal son of the father and made himself nothing, taking on the form of a creature and submitting to death on a cross. And nothing, no comfort, no commitment that he could ever call us to give up would come close to comparing to what he has given up for us. And he has promised that there'll be treasures in heaven for those who give up the things of this world to follow Him. Father, I repent, we repent of how we cling to earthly comforts and earthly commitments as if they are right, as if we deserve them, as if we can't live without them. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for everything he gave up for us. Help us to be willing to give up comforts and commitments as we follow him. Loosen our tight clasp on the things of this world, that we might better know the treasures of heaven. Amen.